Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Elise. Host of Crackle and Open with Mike and Elise. A podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every Friday, we choose a new craft beer from a different brewery and talk about the history of the beer, what's in it, how it was made, the history of the brewery, along with tasting notes and more fun facts. After that, come chill with us as we bring you the latest in pop culture news and reviews. So check out Kraken When Open, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Another season of Forgotten Horror has come to an end, but as Field paraphrases Al Pacino from Send of a Woman, We're just getting warmed up! Spend the next few months with Forgotten Cinema as season seven kicks off with movies from all across the decades. We jump to the 70s to talk about the front page starring Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. We dive into the 80s with Michael Mann's Thief and the Dennis Quaid Meg Ryan thriller DOA and then slice into Butler's childhood years the 90s with The Last Samurai and The Negotiator. That's right, Field. You're old. So very, very old. Shut up, Butler. Forgotten Cinema, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Mike Field. I'm Pat Whalen. Pat is a lifelong comic book geek. And Mike is a filmmaker and storyteller. So naturally, a bulk of our conversations surround the world of the Marvel movies. Some consider the MCU one of the greatest achievements in modern day filmmaking, and others just think they're comic book movies. Each episode, we'll tackle one film and discuss the differences between the comic book and what's on screen. We'll explore the growth of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from its inception to present day and beyond, and have a little fun along the way. You may not have asked for it. You certainly don't need it, but you'll be happy we're here. We think. This is yet another MCU podcast. We're at the end of phase two, Pat. Here we go. With a likely, a likely ender, a likely movie to end the phase. And that, of course, is Ant-Man. A likely? Well, that's, I'm, I'm saying that sarcastically. Okay. That doesn't come through the microphone. I, I apologize. So, yes, Ant-Man. We are doing Ant-Man. We I'm have so to excited. do Ant-Man. We're going in order. <laughs> <laughs> right. No surprises here. You knew where we were headed. So let's get into the movie. As you know, we like to do here movie, movie versus comics and the movie within the MCU itself. So Ant-Man came out on July 17th, 2015. It has a runtime of 117 minutes. It's shocker, PG-13. Production budget of 130 million, a little bit lower than the other movies. Obviously lower than the Avengers, that we the Ultron movie, but a little bit lower than the other ones, yeah. 130. Uh, opening weekend, it did 57 million, domestic 180, and then worldwide 519 million. So a hit, but not the hit they're used to. Right. And I think coming off of the Avengers with everybody in it, which was a little disappointing. True. Thor, which was a little disappointing. And then having a character that nobody really knew, or even in the comics, he doesn't probably get as much credit as he deserves. So this was a tough one, I think, for for Marvel to release. Well, I think I would imagine that their expectations weren't huge. Right. So I would they probably were maybe pleasantly surprised. I don't know. Who I don't want to get, get a sequel. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's always going to get a sequel. Yeah, that's true. All right, so we do have some new players, and I'll get to them, but let's just get to the real quick who directed this, and that was Peyton Reed. Obviously, I'm pretty sure everyone knows the whole Edgar Wright story, but we can get into it, I mean, after we go through this. Edgar Wright has the screenplay story credit, along with Joe Cornish, and also you have Paul Rudd and Adam McKay doing a polish, which is a little interesting, I thought. Uh, Cinematography by Russell Carpenter, who does never, none of these people never return. For I was looking for like <laughs> I usually like to try to give like oh they've been in this they've done yeah, this Marvel they, movie they're part of the family no like I know Peyton Reed comes back for Ant Man and the Wasp yep. and I'm pretty sure he's going to do the third one composer Christoph Beck did Ant Man and the Wasp after this and he's doing WandaVision 
Okay. Yeah, I saw that. Good for him. Uh, we all know who produced these, Kevin Feige. And then the only uh, two editors, Colby Parker Jr., who I don't, don't think I saw any anywhere else in the Marvel Universe, and then Dan Labentall. Apologies if I said that wrong. He did Iron Man. So, oh, yeah. Okay. And then, I mean, maybe I missed some of these other ones appearing later on, but no, this is it. But new players now to the Marvel world. We do. New, uh, you have Paul Rudd as Scott Lang. Yep. Uh, Michael Douglas as the Hank Pym character, which we talked about last week. Yes. Last in episode. Ultron. And funny story about that is. Funny Michael t- Douglas story? <laughs> Interesting. Well, <laughs> a kind of friendly Michael Douglas story. He did this movie so that his kids, I think they were like in their early teens. Yep could go and see a movie that he was in because the rest of his movies are basically rated R. Of course. That's why we like Michael Douglas. But honestly, I assume a lot of people do a lot. When you see somebody in a movie like, you know, like, why would you do this kid's movie? There's, you know why they're right. doing that movie. Money and for, for the children. <laughs> for or for the children. children. And that's Robert fine. Downey Jr. did Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched Doolittle. Yeah. No, that's, God Ooh. bless you. Tough, tough. All right, Evangeline Lilly is <laughs> Hope Van Dyne, who will later become the Wasp. I kept saying Wasp Woman back like four years ago. I don't know. I kept just saying it, man, and the Wasp Woman. I'm like, wait a minute, that's not right. <laughs> Corey Stahl is Darren Cross. He's the baddie in this movie. Bobby Cannavale plays Paxton. Judy Greer is Maggie Lang. They are, Lang is uh, Matt. Judy is the ex-wife of Scott. Bobby is her new husband. New husband. Married, boyfriend, boyfriend, husband, they're together. I, there, there's a dynamic there, and it's a nice yeah. dynamic, so I like it. Well, I'm a big Cannavale fan. I so love, I. love Bobby Cannavale. He's all, if you've not seen Boardwalk Empire, his season is fantastic, and he is fantastic in that season. But regardless, Michael <laughs> Pena as Luis, Anthony Mackie as Falcon. We see with you Falcon again. We get Falcon in the worst way, like looking like terrible in terms <laughs> of just he's like such the foil in this movie. It's, I feel so bad. He, yeah, he's you know what I mean. Like he's he was like bad he's in this movie. He was super yeah. great in in Winter Soldier, and then he comes into this one. He gets his butt kicked yeah. by Ant Man. I hope they paid him a lot. And then you had some other returning characters that actually I had not like you had not seen John Slattery as Howard Stark since Iron Man Two, which, which right right. So he comes back yeah as as Howard Stark as you know Tony Stark's dad. You had Martin Donovan as Mitchell Carson. This is his first one, right? As far as I can tell, yeah. Because, and he never shows up again. Okay, because they they uh, we never see him after that. I can't. I looked him up. I th- couldn't find him in anything. Mm-hmm. I was like, because he mentions, and we'll get into it, but he mentions that he's part of Hydra, right? And then, you know, because the last thing we had seen of Hydra was in the end of Winter Soldier, and then the early parts of Ultron, where it looked like they kind of broke down the remaining factions of Hydra. And then all of a sudden he's here. And so maybe there might be some timeline things going on, but they do mention the attack on Sokovia. So, you know, this is post Ultron. Oh, yeah. So I don't know. And, and maybe I went to see if maybe he made an appearance in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because I know they had been dealing with with Hydra even after Winter Soldier, but nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. I thought so, too. I thought he was set up as a, a bad guy. And I'm like, he must be within the series. Yeah. And I guess they never used him because he enters the scene, the 1980s scene early on, like he. Like, we should know who he is. I wonder if he would have been the character that Robert Redford plays in Winter Soldier if Redford said no. That's fair. You know, yeah. because then because you don't realize he's bad. Right. You know, I in wonder this, you don't right. realize he's bad in this movie, but then you can't add him to the later scenes. Right. Right. So you, I, yeah. I, I wonder. Yeah. And then, of course, Pat's uh, screen crush, uh, Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter. Yes. Good to see her again. <laughs> Which 
I got to ask you. I don't understand why she's in that scene. I understand why you're in the Triskelion, right? Is that how you say it? Triskelion, yeah. And because uh, they're just building, which yeah. is, is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And um, they're all there. And I get all that because then you realize, oh, because I asked last week or last episode about like, where the heck is Hank Pym? And now uh, you see what happens yeah. to Hank Pym, which I should say, the de-aging on Michael Douglas in this movie is awesome. Like, yes, I is. was like, that's how he looked. That's yeah. how he looked. Fantastic. I'm prepping for this episode. I went back and watched Basic Instinct. Which oh, does why? Does that work? Why? Of all, the, to... of all the Michael Douglas movies to watch, that's the one you... I know why you watched that. Shame on you. No. Shame on no, you. No, it's a great uh, nor crime thriller. So all the kids out there that love Marvel movies don't watch Basic Instinct. This is true. <laughs> but you get to see a young Michael Douglas. Well, you get to see young Michael Douglas and everything and all those tons yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Didn't want to watch Wall Street. So I... <laughs> You know Wall Street Money Never Sleeps? Did you oh, see that God. one, the sequel? Yeah, I yeah. own that. I own that you Blu-ray. You own that? Interesting. Hollywood video is going out of business. <laughs> what so, are video stores? You've lost half the audience. Right? <laughs> Let's just cut out this entire segment and go back to you, the de-aging oh, on Michael Douglas. It's awesome. Yes, it is. <laughs> all right. So I asked last week or our last episode that, you know, I've ne- all I keep reading in the comics is Hank Pym this, Hank Pym, uh, Howard Stark. I just always hear about him and mm-hmm. you've never, he hasn't been in any of these Marvel movies until since this 12th movie. And now he shows up and then you get an explanation why you haven't seen him for a while. Does it work for you? I don't. I. I guess. I. I. I understand that you can't have two like Howard Stark and Hank Pym. That, right. That's a whole. Two, that's a whole. Or Howard Stark and Tony Stark. Or I mean, I'm sorry, Hank Pym and Tony Stark. Yeah, but okay. Let me let me ask. Let me rephrase it this way because you've looked into this for this podcast. When you went in to watch Ant Man five years ago when it came out, right? Did you know who Hank Pym was? No. Did you know he should have been in the movie? No. Or should have been no, part no, of the no, Avengers? No, 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 no. So maybe, maybe, maybe like somebody mentioned it, yeah. but it really didn't. Not like the way that we're talking about it. No. So does it work not knowing who he is? I, I think it's nice that they, they maybe bring back somebody that you have, you've heard about in mm-hmm. the comics, or I'm sure that for like you, like you love Marvel comics yeah. and you've read them and you haven't for all these movies for 11 movies, you have not even heard of them. And then he finally shows up. I think that's a better question for you. We're going to (laughs) get to why Hank Pym is problematic. Okay. And I think keeping him off the board for as long as they did was was actually pretty useful. I know what you're referring to. Yeah. Uh, We we can can get to that. That's fine. But all right. So this movie is basically an origin story of sorts. Mm -hmm. When I had watched this movie, I had texted Pat because, you know, we're not watching it together. But and I mentioned to him that there's no action. In the first hour, like no big action scenes in the first hour of the movie. And I don't know if that's a problem or not. I know because every time I remember, I know people, I know what you're going to say. It's a heist film. It's a heist film. It's a heist film. Yeah. The heist is not great. The heist is not even interesting. No, the performance <laughs> of the heist isn't good. The building the team and doing everything right. together. But what I take out of this one is it's you know a little bit more of a family dynamic film than we've seen in other ones. You know, you get the interaction between... Scott and his his ex-wife and their her husband, boyfriend, whatever he is, whatever Bobby kind of kind of Valley is her man, uh, her man, her man, you know, his daughter. Yep. And then, you know, seeing the relationship between Hank and Hope too. coming off of Ultron. And I think watching this in context, both separately and then coming off of Ultron, it works as a nice palate cleanser coming, you know, coming off of the last movie. It's not as big and bombastic. It's, sure. It's a small little corporate espionage essentially mm-hmm. event mm-hmm. that they they deal with and i like that lower stakes aspect of this film i like the character work that everybody puts in I, you know i love the character of Luis. i think paul rudd does a really good job Corey stoll 
was, you know, he fed right. He's like, I'm the villain of this movie. Right. He doesn't hide it. He's the villain from, you know, the first scene he's in. Right. And so it was fun to watch that. His villainy is. Uh, it's not well thought out. Yeah. It's like a, as a villain, he's not a well thought out. Correct. Like yeah. he kills that dude in the bathroom. Right. And then everybody's going to be like, where'd that dude go? Right. Like he's just like, hey, that guy just went in the bathroom. I'm, I'm waiting for him. We got to go lunch. So like, uh, I don't know what happened. <laughs> oh, you didn't see him in there? It's like, don't worry about no, it. Were- yeah. So when I talk about the heist not being interesting, like I'm comparing it to like Ocean's Eleven. Yes. Like that's a heist. The whole movie is about pulling off the one giant heist. This mm-hmm. movie is an origin story. And then we also have to steal, like as Hank Pym tells you, I want you, yeah. I want you to break into somebody. And steal well, some he's, then he has to break into, you know, Howard Stark's storage facility, yeah, Avengers that, mansion. And you never actually see him take the thing. See, that That's felt, when they put the fight in there. That felt added on. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, okay, we're going to, I need you to go here to do this. It was almost like, okay, we have to tie this into everything yeah. into the MCU. That felt t- added it, on. You know, cause you referred to Ocean's Eleven. If they made it like that Ocean's Eleven scene where they, they break into that building to steal the power generator. Right. EMP device, whatever it was, you know, Matt, uh, well, one of yeah. the guys breaks his, his ankle or his hand. They have the wide shot and you just see. Yeah. Like, you see everything fire, going yeah, on. Yeah. That would have been a better, like first attempt at a heist mm-hmm. than what we see with the, you know, you're right. They, the, the fight with Anthony Mackie yeah. is a little off and it doesn't really make sense. I just, I, 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 Curious, like the conversations they had with Mackie in terms. Of, okay, so listen, you're going to be an Ant Man, but you're going to get the crap kicked out of you. Yeah, but he went with it. Like, no, I get that. You're not going to say no. You no, just, I know. But I, he, like, I understand. He that, was enjoyable in the scene. He's always enjoyable. Well, obviously, he still yeah. could not like it. Jeremy Renner didn't like being uh, uh, controlled in and, Thor, yeah, or right. no, I'm sorry, in Avengers. Avengers, but he did it. So yeah. I get it. Professionals, I understand. It's just, it's just really tough to see. Like, you don't want to see your hero or one of the heroes in previous movies come into this movie and be like, you know, the foil, like I said, or be like somebody that's yeah. just beat upon by a little, little lamp man. Kind yeah. of, you know, deal. But when we do talk about fight scenes, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is that end fight scene between Ant-Man and yellow jacket when they're in the bedroom and okay. they're on the, the, the toy table. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's good. I think that was, you know, especially when you pan out and you just see kind of the laser beam shooting out of nowhere. Yeah. I really like that scale that they, they show. I like the fight scene. I don't, I'm talking about the first hour. Oh, I know. Thing. I know. Because yeah. you have, I'm trying to think what they use as their, t- like when he breaks into Pim's mansion or house, which is the Charmed house. Did you notice that? No, I've never watched Charmed. Oh, I didn't either. <laughs> but I know it's the Charmed house. So when they break, or at least the outside, yeah. when he breaks in, you know, that's okay. That's an okay scene, but that's not a big action set piece. No, it's, f- it's, but it's showing Scott's no, I got you. abilities. Which is not Paul Rudd. It's obviously somebody who knows oh, the parkour <laughs> over the wall. Yeah, that's not Paul Rudd. And then you have, you know, when he's being trained by Hope and she's training him how to fight, yep. all that stuff. And then he's trying to learn to become Ant Man. Again, like it's this origin stuff. But even in, like, if we compare it to Iron Man, mm-hmm. and because that's the first, that's an origin movie, yeah. that's got more. Oh, yeah. Because it f- opens with the, the attack. Right. And then, and then it has him building the Iron Man suit, flying around for a bit, and then he flies to the... Well, he fights um, his way out when he builds the suit. Right. He fights right? his way out. Then he, when he comes home, he builds the new suit. Then he flies over to Middle Eastern mm-hmm. country, yep. blows up a couple terrorist groups. Yep. And then you next you have the scene... Well, the, immediately afterwards, you have the scene with him in the Air Force flying mm-hmm. next to each other. Yep. And then I don't think you have a scene after that though until the fight would until the fight well yeah. i think we i mean i don't know if we mentioned it in the last 
in the Iron Man episode, but if the third act falls apart. Yeah. Because it just it was just like, okay, now it's time for him to fight the big bad guy, which is Jeff Bridges, and here we yeah, go. And, and you get the same thing here. That I really like the visuals in this, especially that last fight scene, but it is that same thing. It's like time to fight your counterpart. Yeah. You know, everybody's you know, that that's the scene. Yeah. Uh if there's little things that happen at the at the end of this movie, uh, in terms of like what they're trying to do. We're talking about Martin Donovan's character, Mitchell Carson. Yep. When he gets off the helicopter, so the helicopter lands and they get off because, you know, and they have this like villain shot and it's like, we're businessmen. We're here to make a deal. Like, like, okay. <laughs> so they, and then when Crosses leaves, he takes the helicopter. Yeah. So, so <laughs> the, the guy doesn't question. It's like, <laughs> where'd my other guys go? So, yeah. So there's stuff like that. And then they, and then they talk about within this movie that, Cross is going crazy, quote unquote. He's because yes. his brain levels are being affected but by he's, his particles. But he's never practiced the particle. He's never used the particles on yeah. himself. So I don't understand. He doesn't have the helmet. I don't understand that. Yeah. That's why I wish they just said he was a maniacal, crazy person. Right. He's never used like there's no idea that he's ever used the suit. He puts the suit on at the end, the right. yellow jacket suit. Yep. But you've never like he's never been trying to experiment on himself. You've as never far as seen we can that. Tell, yeah, right. it's not like a Green Goblin situation from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Right, right. He did the thing himself, goes crazy afterwards. I think that's a very good analogy because it's very similar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, he never does it on himself. If they just made him this power mad, even kind of like a an Obadiah Stane counterpart, like stand-in type of person, Stane was just. He was malicious. He wanted power. He felt wrongfully like kicked out of the company. Right. Okay. That just turn that into Darren Cross. Yeah. You know, I don't, there is some talk about like some stuff that makes people go crazy with these pin particles and, and stuff that has got, has happened in the comics. Mm -hmm. So that almost sounded like more of a reference and an Easter egg than an actual plot point, but it's used as a plot point, but it's used as a plot point. And maybe, that has something to do also with the fact that there's five different writers on this movie. And the, yes. let's, the, why don't you, I don't know if you want to get into just kind of like the Edgar Wright stuff and, and in terms yeah. of the movie, and if, if for some people that don't know. So I don't think we could talk about this movie without touching on Edgar Wright, but this was one of the, he started working on this back in like 2003. Right. If to, not even before that. He, he, and to the point where he asked them not to use Ant-Man or Wasp uh, in any of the movies. Right. Ahead of times. His, his movie was going to be an origin story. Right. So, you know, back 2000, 2003, this was before the MCU, the Marvel Studios proper was formed. So this was actually going to be one of those like first three movies. It was going to be Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Ant-Man. For whatever reason, the Ant-Man movie kept getting delayed. There were scripts. Wright went on to do other things. Hot Fuzz and Shaun of, uh, Shaun of the Dead right. at, at World's End. You know, so he wanted to tell this origin story of Hank Pym. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, and, and, you know, we'll go into it, but decided to turn it into an origin story for Scott Lang, but keep that piece of Hank Pym in there, which we see in here, you know, we see, he, I think he wanted to open it too with a uh, Hank Pym, Janet Van Dyme, Ant-Man Wasp action scene. Sure. Which we see that later on in the movie. They, they shift some stuff around. Conveniently not letting Wasp say anything so that we don't know. Right. So that they, when they, there's a picture of her, there's a picture of her later on yeah. with a hat covering her face. We're like, yep, that's the trick. <laughs> so they, they go get Michelle Pfeiffer's in, um, and Ant-Man Wasp yeah. in, in the sequel. Wright stayed on this project all the way through 2014. He cast most of the main players. So it was Douglas, Paul Rudd. They even had Corey Stoll. They were going to have Corey Stoll play 
Darren Cross, Darren Cross was going to end up being a character called like Nano Warrior or something. Right. I have that. Yeah. Isn't that's not a Marvel character. Oh, really? Yeah. It's just a made up made up name because um, you sent that to me. I'm like, I don't have any like there's Nano who I believe is a DC character. There's Warrior who's been a kind of character in both ones. It's just a you know simple name. But there's no nano warrior. And so I had to I wanted to dive into what that was. But yeah, eventually they just right in and Feige and the Marvel Studios, they they went their own separate ways and well, I think the, creative differences. The relationship fell apart when Disney bought Marvel. I think yes. that was when yeah. it, and they probably were just like, No, 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 you need to follow along the lines of what we want to do yeah. here. And he probably was like, Forget it. And yeah. with all due respect to Peyton Reed, I think everyone will like I think you right see Sandman. most of Wright's fingerprints over this anyway because he you know he still gets the writing credit his he, writing sure. still gets the credit i think the way luis tells stories is right from you don't think that's michael pena i think it's michael pena i think it's michael pena but i think they maybe brought michael pena in to fit Wright's script maybe i think where i would have liked to have seen Wright's fingerprints is the action scenes and i'm all yes. i'm thinking of is baby driver that's all i'm thinking about right now is his, his stuff and, in baby um, driver he did scott pilgrim. scott pilgrim scott pilgrim like his action stuff is really yes is really good even hot fuzz hot fuzz is awesome yeah you know because he's mimicking 80s action movies in that movies and he's doing it as they always yes. well so i would have his action stuff i would have liked to have seen and i want to say that maybe that the my biggest issue which is there's nothing going on in the first hour probably would have been a little bit more interesting with his hand. But that I don't want to, you know, no, that's I think all. that's fair. That's yeah, I all. think I think the we'd probably get more of a Ocean's 11 style with a right twist on it yeah. for the heist scenes yeah. too. But you know what? That's a movie that didn't happen. I think Peyton Reed did an admirable yeah, yeah. job with this. I think he picked up, you know, he came on very last minute. See, I don't know if I like this movie. Like, I like it. Like, I think I sent you the text where it was like angel food cake. It's sugary. But when you eat it, it's just air. Like, OK, I saw Ant-Man. Oh, what's going on? What about the lunch? <laughs> I like it. I, li- I like the family dynamic. I like the character work in this one. See, I think I would like more of he makes a Pim makes a comment in this movie how hope was the deciding vote to get kick him out of Pim tech. Mm-hmm. And they don't. And you get that idea that there is a strained relationship between yes. the two. But I want a little bit more you know i like you know where she she wants to know you keep telling me that my how my mother died like that stuff is good that seems good Mm -hmm. but you're obviously lying to me and then he finally tells her to paul rudd's credit he takes it and paul rudd i I, paul rudd is a a very good dramatic actor he just doesn't do a lot of dramatic roles but when he does if you've ever seen him and stuff he's really good and you know he's able to do a move a drama and then he's able to come across like he is awesome in the shape of things if you've ever seen the shape of things with neil abute but he's able to do a movie like that. And there's other drama, dramatic roles that yeah. he's done. And he's able to do a movie like Anchorman and he do them equally well. Oh, yeah. So to his credit in here, he's able to tone back the Anchorman stuff. Like mm-hmm. he's funny. He's, he's witty and charming. But he's also, you know, there's real moments there right. with his child and, and with his ex-wife yeah. and all that stuff. So I like him in this. I just, I think maybe I want a little bit more between the father and daughter, yeah. Hope and Hank. Yeah these characters feel a little bit more real than we've gotten in other movies with Ultron. You, you, there's nothing you can, yeah, not so even Ultron, grandiose, but yeah. like with like even Tony Stark, yeah. billionaire playboy philanthropist, you know, he's, that's what he, he yeah. lives in a mansion in Malibu. Then you go to captain America. He's this morally good guy, but he's now he's super strong. Yeah. Now he's, he's super powerful. You go to Thor. He's a space Viking space Viking. 
you know, like now you just have this guy that's trying to struggle to get by. Scott Lang's a regular guy. He goes to his ex-wife's house. He goes to see his daughter. Like that's his day to day. Right. And he's, he's not going to a board meeting. He's not working for a secret government agency. This is his life. It's like Hawkeye got his own movie because we yeah. talked about Hawkeye yeah, last episode about being like uh, the audience, like yeah, somebody that we can relate to. Yeah. No, I, I, I can I can understand that. Scott Lang has definitely like it's not, I want to say Batman, but that idea how Batman just says gadgets. Scott Lang right. has the suit and he's yeah. not super powerful. He's not like somebody who he can get hurt because I mean, he can definitely get hurt when he's not small. Right. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, no, I agree with that. And that's fine. That works. That works for me. And I don't mind a, a, a kind of separate standalone movie that within the universe that kind of squeezes it in and we'll get to the MCU stuff mm-hmm. um, a little later. Uh, but why don't we dive into the differences? Let's go to the comics. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where you want to go let's, with in terms of like what I peppered you with questions. You did, but maybe let's just give an overview of all the ant men. There's oh, been several. Okay. Oh boy. <laughs> all right. Story time. So there, <laughs> there were three key ant men, man, whatever. So Has the first one, ant woman, huh? Has there ever been an ant woman? No, because that's usually Wasp, you know, Wasp is always the woman. You know, the Wasp character, okay. a couple other characters. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so one first thing I'm going to kind of cut out of the way is the irredeemable Ant-Man. He's this character named Eric O'Grady. He was a kind of low-level shield grunt type of maintenance guy. Mm-hmm. He ended up stealing one of Pym's Ant-Man suits. And part of it was to go and like chase girls. <laughs> You know, the Avengers have, have tried to push him to do better, but that's why like he gets the title the irredeemable lamb man. Can he do better? He's not in this one, thank God. Okay. Then you have Hank Pym in, in Scotland. Hank Pym was the original Ant Man. He debuted back, you know, in the nineteen sixties by Stanley and Jack Kirby and, and Larry Lieber and those guys. First in, in Tales to Astonish, which I think they make an Easter egg. Darren Cross says yeah. that joke, yeah. And so Hank Pym has assumed Dozens of identities, giant man, Goliath, both of which when he can change his size you know, to make him bigger, yellow jacket. And he's even taken on the name the wasp for a time. He changes his identity like five times in the first nine years of his existence <laughs> from, you know, he's Ant-Man. And part of that was because the writers probably weren't doing a great job with him. And, and what I like about this movie is they could show the perspective of him being smaller. You know, we've learned our lessons from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And how to like film to that perspective, except now in CGI and, you know, make him look small in the grass. In the comics and the original ones, they, they just kind of drew him there and he just looked like another blank generic superhero. Like his costume wasn't anything spectacular. He didn't have a lot going on. So what they decided to do was change up his name, change up his abilities. But then they started to tweak his personality. Okay. And that's where we run into issues with Hank Pym. And and so one of his costume changes was to the yellow jacket costume was vastly different than what we see in the movies. And what we see in the movies more comes from more recent interpretations of the character. So during an experiment, Hank inhales some dangerous chemicals and he has this like switch in his brain where he becomes cockier little smoother a little bit more like he's in charge right um but as he's doing that he's you know becoming a little bit more mentally unstable and right. that's where we get that piece with darren cross in the movie okay and i think that's that's what they're calling back but you don't see like in the comics you see him experimenting you don't see the experiment go wrong for 
for Dar- Corey Stoll. Darren Cross, Darren yeah. Cross in the movie is just yeah. killing lambs. If you didn't think yeah. he was the bad guy, he was when he killed that lamb. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and this is really why we've avoided him thus far. And I think it was for good things. He gets violent just through his, his whole life span. Right. He's this, I think he's always felt like he wasn't good enough. Right. And so he does, he gets violent and aggressive. He hits Janet right. in a, his wife. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I'm in a fam- famous scene. She divorces him. And then you have in the Ultimates comics, which we've talked about, which are a little bit more grittier. Him and Janet get into a big fight. And because in that those comics, Janet is a mutant. She's a mutant that, that looks like a wasp. She has the wings and everything. And she, oh, so she's not just somebody like Ant-Man who puts a suit on. Right. Oh, okay. He sprays bug spray at her. Nice. After they get into a fight, and then he sixes ants on her. Nice. And so, yeah, he's he's terrible. I understand what you're saying, but my question is, you have, you ignore everything else in the comics half the time. Just say we're not going to do that. Like well, I, see, they've done. Yeah, you know, they, I, I mean, done. like I don't understand what the hesitation with not bringing Pym on because of that storyline. We're just like, yeah, we're clearly not going to do that. But you know, well, I think making the focus towards Scott Lang. More oh, in than, the movie. Yeah, in the movie, more toward more than than Hank Pym. Regardless, right. I mean, yeah, they didn't yeah. do Iron Man becoming an alcoholic in Iron Man Two, right? Which is they kind of shied away from that. They did, yeah, and so they weren't going to do. Hank Pym beats his wife. Oh, no, of course in a Disney not. movie. But that's, you know, that's part of his history. And I think in the culture we're at, if you're about to premiere a movie, even if he doesn't do it in the movie, right. you still have to answer questions about it. You just say, we obviously weren't going to do that because we don't want to do that. I, that's not what the movie's about. Let's yeah. move on. But here's the other thing. He's not timid in this movie. Like no. Michael Douglas is not timid. So he's, he is headstrong. He is stubborn. He is. And I know he's supposed to be the reason why he's like that is because he lost his wife and he's been trying to find her because she's in the microverse. He still kind of has some of those traits. He does. He's not the timid one that you're talking about. No. Yeah. And, and like later on, his personality becomes a little less like, oh, my projects weren't good enough. Like he was always tinkering away and mm-hmm. building stuff to be accepted. Right. And that's part of that yellow jacket identity, which is him being a little bit more like sure of himself. He actually hid who he was to the Avengers. Initially, Janet realized who he was because she was married to the guy, but he hid whom who he was. So they didn't like think of him as just, oh, there's Hank Pym. There's right, Hank. Right. Know? So he he tried to hide who he was when he was yellow jacket. And then we have Scott. Scott was actually introduced much earlier than I thought he was. He oh. he came in the comics in the the 70s i thought he was more of a 90s character i just missed it but what they do in the movie is they keep a lot of his background the same he turned burglary he you know he thought his engineering job was boring so he stole from his did he employer did he do it in the comics the way they describe in the movie where he did it because he got let go or it was like a millionaire no, just against- because he was bored okay because right. it was so it wasn't totally as he wasn't like, like a quote-unquote a good guy like, a like he wasn't Hood. like that chaotic good type of like a robin person type character yeah. yeah yeah so you know he goes to prison he turns things around he does eventually get a job at stark industries in oh, shocker everyone gets a job right. there <laughs> and this is when tony brings him and hires him to do security at Avengers Mansion. Tony hires a burglar to do security right. at Avengers Mansion. So I just want to backtrack because the movie takes place in San Francisco. Yes. This, all this stuff is in New York, right? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. So same thing, you know, in the comics, he's divorced. Uh, he actually has custody of Cassie okay. in the comics though. And this is where the movie kind of differs in this one. He's trying to make a living, get himself back on his feet so that he could see his daughter in that one, she has a heart condition and becomes sick. 
So he breaks into Hank Pym's house to steal an Ant-Man suit so that he can then go rescue the doctor who was kidnapped by Darren Cross, Mm -hmm. who could help his daughter. So, you know, pieces of it, I think they just kind of streamlined and made his motivation a little easier Mm -hmm. so that they could bring in more of the Hank and Hope stuff. Okay. Now that you've said Hope. Yes. She's a... Uh, a baddie in the in the uh she's a villainous she's a villainous there we go there's an alternate universe as there always is oh, kind of loud <laughs> this is marvel comics 2 or mc2 and it's a kind of alternate timeline is this recent it came out yeah. in the late 90s i think so no okay <laughs> and so this mc2 universe has characters like spider girl who's the daughter of peter parker and mary jane there's a female captain america american dream and then a teenage juggernaut. And so they're like the Avengers of that time period. Okay. Juggernaut's from X-Men, right? Yes, he is. Okay. Yeah. And so Hope was in that universe, still daughter of Hank and, and Janet. And I think there's a Hank Jr. too. That's her brother. He has growth powers as well. But she Naturally. is um, <laughs> the villainous Red Queen. So she's got similar like kind of Wasp-esque powers. Okay. And that's that's it. So they they take that name. And then the other piece of it, and this kind of came out after the fact is so this is another one where they just take a name of a character mm-hmm. and reestablish it for how they want it to work in the movie. Okay. And then the other piece is Nadia Van Dyne. Right. Who is a character that came out after this. She's the daughter of Hank and his first wife, a Russian scientist. Now is the first wife something that's new to that or is it always been It there? always was kind of there. Right. Yeah. The daughter wasn't, though. The daughter they brought in later just, I think, to add a little bit more diversity to their character roster. And, and you know, they saw the popularity of the movie or hope for the popularity of the movie and brought a character in. So her name was Nadia. She was raised in the Red Room, which is that Russian Soviet assassin room that Black Widow was trained in that, you know, we may or may not get an Easter egg to this this girl in the Black Widow movie. Oh, if, maybe. You know, we come, may or may not when? get the Black Widow movie. Uh, VOD. <laughs> Disney Plus? Yeah. So Janet was around at that time and, and Janet gave her kind of like gave her a lot of confidence and, and told her you should pursue this life as a hero. So that's why she took the name Van Dyne. She's not related to Janet, but she she took that name. So they took pieces of both and they kind of made their own character too in the Evangeline Lily's character. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, she's more in the second one. I mean, right. It, this this movie is more about her relationship with her father, and then obviously they have the tag at the end, which we can get to later. You can't really talk about Ant Man without talking about DC's Adam. Yes. So if you can do it quickly, what are the differences? What are the similarities? Like maybe when one came out before the other? Because I have no idea. Yeah. So I mean, I think we've talked about this before. Comics steal from each other. Of course. DC had the Justice League, so Marvel wanted to do something, and that's where the Fantastic Four came about. And then later they did the Avengers. DC has Adam. Anybody familiar with the Arrowverse, played by Brandon Roth, he does the same thing. He can shrink down to microscopic sizes. Adam's power comes from the white. He he harnesses a, like a white dwarf star somehow that had crashed Earth. So, uh, somehow. somehow. <laughs> I'm not a big Adam guy. Uh, don't, you don't like him? Is yeah, that pun intended? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Done. Done. <laughs> Thank you for listening. That's the end of the show. Um, oh, that was quick. Yeah. So there was a character named Adam that kind of showed up in 1941. It wasn't the Ray Palmer character that Brandon Roth plays. Ray Palmer showed up as part of this like 
the silver age of comics, which is, you know, brought by DC and then, then Marvel was there. It focuses on like a lot more hard sci-fi. So there, there's a little bit more grounding in reality. The characters are going off into space adventures. It really ties into the space age that we see in the sixties. The yeah. So there's a lot, you know, now he's harnessed his power. He can shrink. You know, there's still the legacy characters of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, but the, the Silver Age has Adam and Green Lantern, you know, characters who are a little bit more tied into sci-fi and, mm-hmm. and fantasy. And then on the other side, you have Marvel, who was doing similar things, that everybody was, you know, Tony was an inventor, Hank Pym's an inventor and a creator, Spider-Man's building his um, right. web shooters. So there was a little bit more of that, you know, hard sci-fi in this I prefer age. my Spider-Man to have them, actually. I, 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 we'll I, get there. I just like that. Sorry. They're kind of the same thing. A lot of people have worn the Adam name. A lot of people have worn the Ant-Man name. So they do. They can shrink. They both. They can Basically, shrink. that's yeah. it. Yeah. I think Adam can shrink further without going into like. There's no quantum there's realm no fear it. of the quantum realm no. or microverse no. or whatever it is. No. There's no fear of that with Adam. He can no. just do it and come he back. He can just do it. And yeah. usually he'll be used as because he is a scientist. He'll be used to help um, with uh, diseases or something going on. He'll go into people's He'll bodies. Go into people's bodies. Ew. There's um anybody who watched the old Justice League of America and Justice League Unlimited cartoon, he did things like that in multiple episodes where he went in. But um, did he? He wore a suit and stuff. Right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. He just shrunk down, but he had a whole like body suit on. Nice. But he never, he never beat his wife. <laughs> Though the comparison oh. is that oh, good for you, guy. They they both did get divorced from their wife. Oh, that's that happens. Yeah. Are they always compared to each other? Like in the comics, are they always like compare and contrast for people? I don't know how many people like Adam that much anymore. Like there's been a couple and this is the problem with both characters. They've had a hard time gaining traction. Both of them in the comics. Really? I think Scott Lang as Ant-Man has gained the most traction for the longest time. Sure. Adam kind of went away for a little bit. They turned him into a teenager for a while. Then he turned back into an adult. Like just trying to make the guy interesting. Okay. They've had difficulties with both. Okay. Yeah. When you have another character that basically can do the same thing. I mean, you you got, you know, in in Marvel, you have Mr. Fantastic can Mm -hmm. stretch in DC. You have the elongated man or plastic man uh, can do the same thing. Hawkeye and Green Arrow, Thanos and Darkseid, Mm -hmm. Swamp Thing and Man Thing. Oh, man Another thing. reference to man thing. Man thing. I missed this reference. So you maybe we can talk about Sasquatch. Alpha Flight, right? Another member of Alpha Flight. We're just, I missed the reference in the movie, though. I missed Where the reference, it? too. Yeah. Where did you find this? I don't know. I just read this reference to Canadian. Maybe it was a poster or something. Because oh, okay. I know there's a poster for the drink that they're making in The Incredible Hulk, the oh, factory okay. that he works at. There's a poster for that soda somewhere in the movie hmm. as well. Sasquatch. He's a scientist who can transform into a giant furry creature. AKA like a big, big okay. Sasquatch guy. And yes, he was a member of Alpha Flight. Oh, man. That's Alpha all I'm going to give you because that's really all there is. On <laughs> <it>. <laughs> the, the other one that you threw out there and I want to make sure we hit on um, in this one is Stature. Okay. That's his daughter. That's his daughter. One, this actress is great. This, the little girl. girl. Yeah. She's good. Yeah. I don't like, like I get a little disappointed when they fast forward five years in Endgame and she's uh, all she's, grown up. Yeah. Which She's much older than five years from that, <laughs> but whatever. So for years, like I said, Scott had custody of her. Yep. After he fixed, you know, they fixed her heart issue. She started tagging along with him on various, like when he was hanging out at the Fantastic Four headquarters or with the Avengers, like just hanging out in the mansion, doing things, whether it's fixing the security or because he is an electrical engineer by trade. Good thing you said that. 
Yes. Because they never say that in the movie. They just have him always tinkering. I think they it was supposed to be implied by whatever company he was working for. But it doesn't work. Agreed, yeah. it doesn't work. Yeah. And I don't remember because they never mention anything like he's an electrical engineer on his resume when he's applying for basketball. You know, when the guy comes <laughs> and he's like, Oh man, it was hard to get it's hard to get a job as an ex con. Yeah. He doesn't say I'm an I'm an electrical engineer and here I am at Baskin Robbins. Like you're right. supposed I think it's all implied that he's much smarter than he is yeah or that you know he needs to be for for yeah, maybe he should have been like fixing school. the machine right doing something. a high school job yeah yeah um but so cassie during these years hanging around with scott she would kind of steal some pin particles and that gave her the ability to once she got angry grow in size mm-hmm. and she learned to control it and and kind of just do it at, at will so she would take the pin particles yes. like not like in a suit yeah what what the hell is a pin particle how about that how do you make that how does he make that i don't know how he makes hey, it. it's just, i just i'm the only one that knows how to make it but i don't i'm not going to tell you yes okay carry on um <laughs> now i'll just wrap up she was a member of the young avengers so there was a group that features kate bishop who's another version of hawkeye and a couple other like Iron Patriot, uh, not Iron Patriot, Patriot, who was a young, younger kid that, that looks like a Captain America sidekick. Uh, there was an Iron Lad. There was a Iron a, Lad. We're not going to go into it unless they make it up. They've been talking about making a Young Avengers show and that's that's floated <laughs> around there. Iron Lad. Unless we get the Young Avengers show, we're not going to go into Iron <laughs> Lad. But yeah, so that's that's who she is. I think, you know, they set her up with the new version of her in Endgame to perhaps be a stature. So maybe we'll see her in no, the third no. Ant-Man. What, what is the third Ant-Man going to be? Well, you know what? I don't know. We, we haven't even watched the we, second one yet. Are we done with the comic stuff? Because I got nothing else. Half my notes you made me save for the second one. So that's fine. No, Yellow Jacket. You want to talk Yellow Jacket? Let's talk Yellow Jacket. Because then I want to get into this movie within the universe. Yes. We can talk about the next movie. Um, so there's been two other characters aside from Hank Pym that, that have worn the Yellow Jacket name okay suit um one being a villainess from the 80s she was there for a hot second and then she went off and joined the 31st century guardians of the galaxies all right remember them no yes oh, just, oh, we yeah. talked about oh, that oh, oh With okay, a, okay. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah yeah re, like kind of gladiator yondu okay it doesn't yep. look like michael rooker at all <laughs> and then you had darren cross who was the billionaire inventor owner of a tech company yada 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 what we see in the movies was he always, was Darren Cross always taking over Pym Tech? Was that always the... Uh, no, he had his own kind okay. of cross. So he was like Justin Hammer. Cross type, internatu- in, international kind of or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but always kind of a villain for Scott Lang. Mm-hmm. And so he was the one that kidnapped the woman, the doctor that could save Cassie. Scott had to go get him back. But he doesn't become Yellow Jack until after this movie comes out. Oh, okay. In and so he, you know, this is one of those like they they took some characters. He was a villain. He was a corporate guy that Scott Lang had fought against. And they're like, well, let's turn him into something else and probably plan for some comic stories going forward. Right. Um. Yeah, that's that's what I got. <laughs> that's, all, that's it. That's Yellow Jacket. <laughs> that's Yellow Jacket. And then just you know, costume wise, you know, because right. we'll see in Endgame, we see his big helmet that he has. That's more traditional to the old Ant Man. Right costume, and this one it is kind of very much like the Scott Lang Ant Man costume that he wears, um, like a diver suit type of thing. And then the yellow jacket costume, nowhere near what Hank Pym would wear. Um, they added those little things that come off in the yes. end. That yeah, sh- the, the, the shooting sh- lasers, laser things. So it was a little bit like um, 
it was a combo of a later version of a male wasp costume that Hank Pym had worn. When they do introduce the character in the comics as Yellow Jacket, he wears this suit. Okay. That we see in the movie. All right. So, All right. Uh, and then from a wasp perspective, you know, we see Ant Man and Wasp on that nuclear bomb. They're right. Both wearing red. Right. That's kind of their original color costumes. Later on, Wasp transforms into like it's almost like an all black bodysuit with yellow markings on the front of her. And then there's some later like versions from various future storylines and alternate universe storylines that they kind of piece together. Well, I have that the the so the tag at the end has Hank showing his daughter the Wasp prototype suit that he was building. Yes. Um for his wife at the time, and he's like, Let's finish it. And she's like, About damn time. And you know, everyone's like, Yeah, cheering in the theaters. I'm sure you were. So the new wasp suit is a prototype between is it an amalgamation of the wasp suit from Avengers Forever, which you have no idea what that's about. Obviously, I'm gonna guess, right? You don't know what that is? Right. All right. And then Secret Avengers. Secret Avengers one, her outfit's a little bit more tech based. So that's what we see here. Like it's right. it's a little bit more less bodysuit and more like tech. Okay. Like Iron Man type tech. Okay. But less, but slim down. Right. Okay. So with that, I'm going to, let's, Trans- let's transition. Transition. Let's transition to um, this movie in the MCU. And let's, yes. let's start with that tag. Was the intention always, do you think, to have Wasp in the second one? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so you were always going to have that tag. You know, she, she wanted to be Ant-Man or she wanted to put the suit on. You were mm-hmm. always going to have that tag. But then there's, um, there's two tags in this uh, because you have, a tag that a tag that teases very well the next movie in this yeah but I, series. but all I'm thinking is when did they do this like were they shooting the other movie while they were shooting Ant Man probably the, and the tag I'm talking to about is Falcon and Captain America are with Bucky I got to tell you I can't even remember where the scene is in the movie it is because it's it's almost a scene pulled directly from the from movies, Civil War from yeah Civil War so it's it's the scene when Cap pulls the helicopter that goes into the water mm-hmm. and then eventually they get Bucky and it's right before the it's right before the airport scene. OK. And in it, you know, they want to see does Bucky know who he is? And okay. He says, yeah, your mom's name was so and so used to wear newspapers in your shoes. That's this scene. And when he says, I know a guy, is he referring to him? He's Ant-Man? referring to him. Well, yeah. I can't remember what I like. I can't even remember how Ant-Man comes into Like, I don't even he remember. He just. Is on the team. Okay. Like he doesn't help with getting Bucky out of the whatever thing he's yeah, in. Ant-Man's like, big thing in Civil War is that he can be Giant Man. Yes. I mean, that that's the whole thing. Yeah. And he gets arrested and it sets up his house arrest for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. I don't like that tag. I like the Wasp tag. I think leaving with just the Wasp tag. is fine. I don't understand fine. why it, we it, need to fine. have like this. It's, it's, Ant-Man will return in the Avengers. No, no. Or in Civil War. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Maybe they thought people would be like, I don't understand if they didn't have that scene with Cap and and Bucky and Falcon, but it doesn't, you're right. It doesn't, it just doesn't like I watched it. I knew it was in there. I skipped it. Like I watched the wasp scene (laughs) and I just turned it off because I knew it was there. I didn't didn't know. I I was like, let me go to the end because I, because I know at some point they started doing mids and ends. Yes. And usually the end is like, just kind of like a throwaway, like something either funny or, but that tag and the falcon scene when he goes to the avengers whatever it's called the story yeah yeah yeah. yeah. uh that's it right that's pretty much kind of it for connections well there well me i guess i guess 
overt connections. Overt connections. There's a lot more subtle connections. Right, which we could talk about. Um, But that's it for the big ones. Because I know that Pim always says, makes the comment about Sokovia. Yep. You know, the, uh, that's my fa- that's one of my favorite moments when Paul Rudd's like, okay, first off, let's just call the Avengers. Like, <laughs> oh, they're too busy. Because <laughs> that's what I would be like, listen, let's just call them. Why, yeah. why, why are we doing this? He's the only character in the MCU that has said, <laughs> let's just call the Avengers. Yeah. He's like, a, he, when he is even in, when, when Scott Lang carries over into Infinity War and Endgame and yeah. even Civil War, he is along the lines of almost like a little bit like Spider-Man where he's like a fan. Yeah. Like he just like, it's cool to be a member. Yep. I'm just happy to be here. Kind right. of guy. Yeah. He's like, Hey, uh, in the next movie, we'll see him. He's like, Hey, uh, Mr. Captain, Captain America, Mr. Mr. Captain. Yeah. He's like, oh, it's, I'm, I'm a big fan. And like, he free, like it's, yeah. it's great acting. Yeah. But it's, it's a really good moment in comparison. His happy to be here moments are more genuine mm-hmm. and don't annoy me as much as the Peter Parker, happy to be here moments yeah. in those because it's always like, hey, and then. It, hey, Mr. Stark. I don't, and I don't want to harp on Spider-Man because we'll get to him, but they do really hard to make him like the best yes. of all of them. Like yeah. he, he is, oh, but he is the next one. Like almost the like. Next one. It's like, no, yeah. no, no, let's just hang out with Scott. Yeah. Like, like Scott's more interesting. <laughs> yeah, he is. But he is more like, like you could have a beer with Scott. You can't have a beer with Peter Parker. So young, but you could have a beer with Scott. <laughs> You know what I mean? So in terms <laughs> this of podcast his, is brought to you by underage drinking. <laughs> I said no. <laughs> but but he yeah. carries over where the same idea we talked about with Hawkeye. So He's I will the give, everyman right, guy. Even though I just spent the last 20, 30, 40 minutes talking about how I was just kind of like, I don't know about how I feel about Ant Man. The Scott Lane character is somebody who is more relatable, just like Hawkeye. Yes. Yeah. But um, what are the other what are the other little moments in this movie that well, I think we got the Sokovia one. Right. We never, you know, because we see the, we see Ant-Man's side with Captain America in the next film. Right. As part of Civil War. We never get to see any resolution. Like, there's no Tony Pym showdown. There's no kind of Stark Pym, but they're the... There's we, never any Stark Pym. No, right? there's never any Stark Pym. Like, yeah. Pym shows up to the funeral, but you never get any, like... Which oh, I think uh, it's a lost moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I know the fight was between, the issues were with, between Pym and Howard Stark. But a lot of that carries over. And this, sure. this is a movie about legacies and, and they, there's a lot of that. Obviously, we have the opening scene with Howard and Peggy. Right. right. I and, forgot. And, you know, it establishes S.H.I.E.L.D. as existing from World War II all the way through, you know, into the 80s, which I think was a great piece by them to use this period that is untouched. Right. Essentially, I've said for a while, I'd love to see the Fantastic Four in the 60s, you know, as, as part of S.H.I.E.L.D. or some off set of shield or, or something where you can have Howard Stark either as Dominic Cooper or John Slattery have Haley Atwell, you know, just want to see Haley Atwell. Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> working with them, but it, you know, find these moments of the MCU that is, is untouched. And I, I like that with, with the eighties, but the problem with that is, and it's also the problem with Captain Marvel is shields established. But when we go back and watch Iron Man one, it looks like they're just forming shield and they, they're just like, yeah, yeah, you know, strategic homeland, you know, intervention and yeah. logistics division. We're working on an act, you know, we're working on something shorter. You're right. You're right. And so it, you know, that's something as long as you can forget that moment in Iron Man one, I can't though. Yeah. It's such a big piece with introducing Coulson. And uh, so it's, you know, you know, it's a little, it plays a little weird here and in Captain Marvel, which is in the nineties. So it doesn't quite work. Is unless you could you could see it in the bubble, and then the other piece 
and we kind of touched on this, was Cross was selling the Yellow Jacket to Hydra. The guy was from Hydra. He was represent. Yeah, he was representing Hydra. But he was also representing, and I didn't know this, and I didn't catch this from the movie. I, I got this when I was looking it up. The Ten Rings terrorist organization, which is the group that Tony may or may not have fought in the early parts of Iron Man, and is the the organization that the real Mandarin is a part of. So there's a real Mandarin now. Is that what we're saying? Well, they said that they kind of you know we talk. I know we talked about the the, the Hail to the King short film, right? That. You know, there is a real Mandarin out there. And, you know, we're supposed to touch on on the Ten Rings in Shang-Chi, which is going to come out Wait. whenever. So it was a weird reference that I think, one, there wasn't enough of it, but also was never followed up on. Like, are you going to follow up on that in seven years, eight years? So this is after, uh, this. Is, I'm just, yeah. I, uh, this is after Winter Soldier. This is after so this Winter dude, Soldier. Mitchell Carson, we're going to like assume now was with Hydra. Yeah. And now he's with Hydra and they're buying the, the cross particle or whatever they're calling yeah. it for them. And he takes it because he, that's supposed to be what he's taking it to Hydra. Yes. And they use it, right? Yeah. When, when do they use it later on? They I don't think they ever use it, use it again. Okay, we so never but, see these right. characters again. Now, because you brought up uh, Shang-Chi, I should have brought this up when we were talking about the movie itself. So I talked about the writers. Mm-hmm. You had... Uh, Edgar Wright, Joe Cornish, Adam McKay, Paul Rudd, but you also had Andrew Barr, or Bearer, and Gabriel Ferrari. Okay, were uncredited on this movie. They all, they go on to write Ant Man and Wasp, and you had David Callaham, who's the one of the writers for or the writer for Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Yeah, okay. But he also wrote Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four, which is coming out. Yeah. But so you had you had more than four. You had seven. But I'm wondering if the Ten Rings connection is in there because of Callaham. Possibly. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if he knew that he was going to be writing Shang-Chi then, but it could have... I didn't catch the... Re- like, like, you didn't catch the... The this... tattoo you're talking. The, they have uh, a neck maybe tattoo. tattoo. That's okay. what they're saying. There's a neck tattoo okay. on there that's supposed to be the... Ten- I saw it. I read it. And I was just like, okay. okay. There's, when, there's when I go through the so, facts... Yeah, yeah there's I, small Easter eggs. There's, some, there's yeah. stuff that I'm just like, I don't care. Like <laughs> My favorite... Not to get off topic. My favorite stuff... My, my favorite facts... And when I say favorite, I mean they're not. There's a huge pet peeve. Is when they... Tell you, Paul Rudd is in this movie. Michael Douglas. They, they Michael Douglas was in this other movie with Kira Sedgwick, who was also in this other movie. Paul Rudd. Like, there's like these weirdo. Like, yes, we get it. They're actors. They right. play different roles. I, I understand. I don't need to know this. I, they were a father figure in this movie. And this, that's that's un. Who cares? <laughs> I don't need. Who this cares? Six degrees of separation. Yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> I hate those. But anyways, that's a that's a yeah. rant. Okay, so that makes that makes a little bit more sense. So it probably was just an Easter egg, and maybe. It, potentially a teaser for something right. in the future. I think that kind of like wrapping up a little. Yeah. I think it's a, there's kind of a missed opportunity with having Pim come in in the 12th movie. You don't ever have him. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. because it's how are we supposed to do it, Mike? You know, like that kind yeah. of thing. Like how are we supposed to put him in there? And I like your idea of going back to the 60s with Fantastic Four mm-hmm. because I think that's the only way to kind of bring a fresh new Marvel movie. Yeah. I know because you're eventually going to and they're, they're going to want to unless Disney loses all their money and they got to sell everything, which is a possibility. <laughs> uh, they're going to do these movies and yeah. you've already seen two Fantastic Fours that I, I don't care if you like some of the stuff. They don't they're not good. No, they're, they're not. No, good. there are pieces of the original. The, right. the Chris Evans, Fantastic Four right. that are good. The Josh Trank Fantastic Four is absolute garbage. Yeah, it's not great. And they're both were in the present. So why not go back? I mean, yeah. I know you have Cap- the thing with Captain Marvel in the 90s is 
it's so aware that it's in the 90s and then going to the blockbuster like it's a big deal like that was just an everyday they were on every block yeah i know it's like make it you should make the blockbuster look run down like it should look like but regardless yeah we'll we'll get there on captain marvel but 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 it shouldn't be so self-referential so just put it in the 60s put it wherever you want to but put it in the past it's a fresh look it's something new you don't have to worry about everyone else in the universe and where they are you can yep. have an idea but you don't have to reference it no. and then if you ever want to i because i know eventually you're going to want to pull them into the into the future at some point you can you can end that run wherever the three movies where they get trapped in in a time realm or in, or in the quantum realm or something That's, do something like that exactly you know yeah. the dc has a great book out there darwin cook wrote the new frontier mm-hmm. and it places the characters through like history up into uh, JFK's time period up and through the Cuban Missile Crisis, essentially. And it's not self-referential to, oh, man, look at this thing. It was that. so cool in the 60s. It was like Cuba's still like, no, don't like just, I like I like stuff in like time periods. Set it in the time period. I love that. But don't, you know, overly reference. But the time don't period, make our characters know. aware of it and don't yes. make the don't make your filmmakers put so much in there that it's so aware that right. we're in this time, you know, having an actual period piece movie. Yeah have them be part of the space race mm-hmm. and that's that's your that's your hook right there then they yeah. you know then they get caught up in their fantastic four stuff um <laughs> but they could be part of the shield space program sure boom there you go yeah. marvel disney take it run with it if you're listening to this we hope you are see i wonder if for just to bring it back because we're talking yeah. about ant-man yeah we are. just to bring it back to Ant-Man, i wonder if this would have been a good thing to do in the past i wonder if completely putting- tell the Hank Pym story. Oh, well, you could still. I mean, I know you. I know Scott Lang came. What did you say? Came in the seventies, late seventies. I don't know. Why not put that? Why not just put the the Scott Lang stuff? You could do the same kind of formula. Yeah. Put it in the early seventies and just have it be, you know, like it, not everyone because then the technology's not there. That's his tech is the only tech. Right. You know what I mean? So, and then you don't have to worry about let's call the Avengers or yeah. tying it to that at the end of the Ant-Man's run, he is trapped in the microverse and you don't ever see him until you, whenever you want to bring him back. Right. Or the That's quantum realm, excuse me. Like yeah, just same thing. Quantum yeah. realm, I mean, I don't know if those discussions were ever brought up. I think it's such, at this point you are, you are on a roll with all your movies mm-hmm. and you're just like, let's go Ant-Man. Let's go this. Let's yeah. throw that. We're going to civil war. I'm like, you're not thinking you're just boom, 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 cranking yeah. them out. I don't know. I think maybe that would have been a little bit more interesting and I'm all for world building. I'm all for building the universe. You know that. Maybe yep. I'll have the stuff I write all that. But there's something to be said for just standalone stories that are, while they're in that world verse or in that universe, you can pluck them right out and they can be their own thing. Yes. And that's what makes the original Star Wars trilogy great. Yep. It what makes the other ones not so great. <laughs> yep. But you know what I mean? And it, it's what made Iron Man great to yeah. start but now that they start complicating the timeline oh yeah then you start thinking about it the first iron man is a perfect example of that obviously because it's the first but then you we we've already talked about how iron man 2 and iron man 3 are just littered with references references to everything yeah. else see the only movie i think in the in the back of my mind the only movie that doesn't do that is black panther and and honestly and guardians from Gar- okay. a lot of guardians well go, the that. first one the first one yeah, yeah no yeah. black panther is the one moving forward that is its own movie yes it yeah it has the tag with bucky at the end but it has nothing to do with anything if you take the tag on. out of that then it's you, a it's, it's a complete story it's a complete story you can you can believe it's it's within its own universe and and that is why black panther is so successful and yes. it's, it's a well told yeah. story and and so that's the only one i can think of Captain marvel could have done that but Captain Marvel is is littered with yeah, MCU it's, stuff. It's, it's too many connections to make us feel like right. we need to like this character. Right. And, and we'll, to, to yeah. Ant-Man's credit, it's it's not really 
littered with it. Like there's subtle stuff. They're, they're subtle. But you're. But I think you have to. But you're telling a, the character arc of Hank Pym, which you have, which has been within the comics for uh, decades, sixty years. Yeah. yeah, and you've never referenced in the first eleven movies, and yeah. now we're going to put it in this movie. So it it, it kind of has to. It becomes yeah. that, which is fine. Yeah, and I like that, and I think it works. As we wrap up phase two, thanks again. Everybody that listened. Oh, man. Oh, I have to do my rate? My yeah, you got to do your ranking. Uh-oh. Hang you want me to go first? Well, go first because I have to actually find the movies. <laughs> find the movies. <laughs> All right. I go first. First, Captain America Winter Soldier. Love that movie. Next up is Ant-Man. Really love it as a, a character piece. Then Guardians, Iron Man 3, Age of Ultron, and then finally Thor The Dark World. No, not Thor's The End? Yeah. What do you have as The End? I have to look, dude. You want him? You're all. Pre- no, I got it. I'm going to the thing. You're all prepared. We're making content for the. I'm making content <laughs> for the Instagrams. We'll put this up on the Instagram site. All right, phase two. Right, Here we go. It. Here we go. So you you went. You said Ant Man. No, I'm sorry. You said, said Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Ant Man. Guardians. Guardians. Iron Man Three. Yeah. Ultron. Then Thor. Well, definitely Thor's at the bottom. Yeah. I'm going to say, you know what? I'll, I'll say Winter Soldier. I like Captain America stuff. So I like Captain America Winter Soldier number one. So I agree there yep. with you. But I'm not going to say Ant-Man number two. I don't think so. No way. I'll say Guardians number two. Yep. Guardians. Then hmm. it gets tricky. I'm really just looking at Iron Man or Ant-Man here. Yeah. I don't know. Do I like Iron Man 3 that much? You know what? I'll say Iron Man 3. Just because it's the finale. It's the end of the Iron Man trilogy. So I'm going Captain America, Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, Iron Man 3, Ant-Man, Avengers uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, and Thor of the Dark World. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's this is not such a list of there, wow, these are so good. This is more of a list of this is bad. This is not as good as this one. This it's a bottom-up list. Yeah, I think like after Captain America, for me, there's a there's a big gap. Yes. And then after Guardians of the Galaxy, there's also a big gap. Right. Like I'm, I love I, I really do enjoy Iron Man three, but there's a lot of problems. Yeah. The last, the bottom movie. the bottom four are all problematic. Yeah. All problematic. And it's almost like, OK, do I like that worse than that one? Yeah. And that's 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 how it is, yeah. especially with Thor and Ultron. They just didn't work. I mean, there's for me, there's a huge gap between Iron Man th- three and then Ultron and Thor. Thor the Dark World is just boring. It is. It's it's just boring. And I'm so, uh, but I, uh, yeah, anyways, yeah. it's so, just it's just boring. We leave this up to you, dear listeners. We'll post this online. Let us know which ones you like and how you'd rank them. Yeah, these are all obviously our opinions. So, you know, so phase two has ended um, next week. We're not going to be going right to phase three. Part one, we actually which, you know, we're going to we break up phase three because there's 12, 11 movies, 11, 11 movies. movies in phase three. So we're going to break those up into parts. Um, but until then, uh, I'm going to leave you now because Pat has some recommended reading. I know I'm sure you love those videos that we do with Pat. So he, we're going to do, uh, he's going to give you some recommended reading for Ant-Man. And I will see you next week for our bonus phase. As always, at the end of each episode, we like to send you home with some recommended reading that follows up on some of the characters and plots presented in this week's film. Our recommended reading section is sponsored by Infinite Heroes, comics, cards, and collectibles in Watertown, Connecticut. If you're in the Connecticut or New England area, it's a great location to pick up comics from Marvel, as well as DC, Image, and more. They also have a large collection of trading cards, toys, and collectibles. Owner Paul Santos has worked in comics for years, most recently as an editor of DC Comics. Ask him for a recommendation and tell him we sent you.
So let's talk Ant-Man recommended reading. First up, the Ant-Man movie races through multiple time periods of the Marvel Universe, and we're going to do the same here. Starting with the Ant-Man Giant Man Complete Collection, which collects the early days and Tales to Astonish number 27, and 35 through 59, Adventure with Hank, Pym, and Janet Van Dyme as they explore microscopic universes and worlds and adventures, and Hank switches things up and becomes the biggest Avenger of all time. Number two, Ant-Man Season 1, Astonishing Origins. Runner Tom DeFalco and artist Horatio Dominguez take another look at Hank's early days, how he invented his technology and became the superhero Ant-Man. It also serves as a great transition into Scott Lang assuming the identity of the pint-sized powerhouse. And finally, let's go all in on Scott Lang's hero and Astonishing Ant-Man Complete Collection by Nick Spencer. Read to see how Scott goes from ex-con to superhero, faces down his arch nemesis, Darren Cross. Thanks for reading. Check us out on Instagram, and we'll see you next week.